When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Moving my head? Yeah. I'm laying it off? Well, that too. I'm pronating? When you're not supinating. I'm clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My God, my swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. I look like a fool. What the hell do you think you look like shooting them chili peppers up Lee Jansen's ass? Well, we're waiting. All right, golf fans, welcome back to another episode of Fairways and Dreams. I am your host, Jeff Harbin, and this is time for another two-man scramble podcast where I bring on a guest. And this time I have someone who I really just connected with on Instagram, Bud Copeland, joins me. I'm going to read the bio, though, because he sent me a bio, and I'm going to read the bio because I I feel like I have to now. And so here's Bud's bio for, as he says, an author from a golf magazine site he used to write for. He's a self-taught stick with a hack brain. Bud grew up playing golf year-round in North Florida. Born again in New England, Bud now lives in Salem, Massachusetts with his wife, daughter, cat, and dog, Miller. He is the sole Y chromosome in the house, believes we did land on the moon, and strongly advocates for walk-up music on the first and 18th tees. Bud, welcome to the show. How are you? Phenomenal, Jeff. I appreciate that. That was, uh, <laughs> that was That's actually the first time I've heard that read out loud <laughs> to me, and it's just as ridiculous as I intended it to be, but I, I sincerely appreciate you airing that out there. Well, I will say this, you know, I, I'm a father of five and I have, I have, yeah, I know. And I have one son and four daughters. So the Y chromosome thing, I get it. <laughs> My son. I grew up with two older sisters and I always said that, yeah, I was put on this earth to have a daughter, but four. Yeah. Blessing on your home, my man. And, you know, we need all the blessings we can get, man. And a blessing roommate of yours who, who I'm sure does a lot of the lifting as well. She does a lot of heavy lifting. That is for sure. That is for sure. So, uh, but I want to give you an opportunity to tell everyone we connected actually, because I've obviously had Nate Hearn, who's the founder of Acorn Hills. You have the sticker there, right there on your microphone. Um, and you are an affiliate with them. I might be affiliating with them starting in the new year. Um, and so, but still, yeah, maybe we'll see. But <laughs> Go ahead and give a little background for those that might not know who you are and what you do. I am, I mean, my name is Bud Copeland at this Bud's for you. I'm just a golf guy. Uh, honestly, I got hooked up with Acorn Hills through social media as well. If you, if you're hearing this and you're not following yet, go over to the, at this Bud's for you on Instagram, give it a, give it a follow. Make sure you include the E in there. Fun fact, yeah. Anheuser Busch copyrighted at, or not at, but this Bud's for you back in like 1982. Uh, so I kind of claim, I think it was June or July of 82. And I claimed that they saw me coming in October and they just wanted to snatch that up because, <laughs> 
they had the foresight of where this was going. Uh, no, actually, I golf has been in my life, you know, really as long as I can remember. I've got pictures somewhere of me at TPC Sawgrass at three years old in a stroller because my family was in Jacksonville at the time and uh, we joined early. And so I just kind of grew up in a golf house and I, I didn't really pick it up until my teenage years. I was a baseball player primarily before that. So I had the hand-eye coordination thing down, but my mm -hmm. family moved a little bit when I was growing up. And after sixth grade, I was in a new town. I had no friends, but I was fortunate enough to live in a golf community. So I just was watching it on TV. And my dad was a huge golfer. He was n never, never anything more than maybe a 18 handicap at best. Uh, but he just loved the game because, you know, the world of business that he was in, he did a lot of golfing for, you know, back in the eighties too, as well, a lot of business done on the golf course. So growing up in that kind of house, I just picked it up and I wanted to go try it out. My sister was a competitive tennis player. She played at West Virginia university for a year. Uh, my other sister was an all state soccer player and they won the state championship their senior year. So we came from a competitive kind of house. And I picked up on golf and I just fell in love with it. And I think it's because I'm a glutton for punishment. I had nothing but time on my hands. And so this idea of trying to hit a target over and over and over and over, and then you get it and then you don't get it again. And there's that weird kind of frustration in there of, of like, but, but now I want it back. I, I took the hit and I, I took the ride and I want to do it again. And it's not that easy every time. So something spoke to me. I played it a little bit growing up. Uh, in my in my middle school years, but baseball was my first sport, so I couldn't really play competitively till my junior senior year in high school. Uh, at which point, scratch golfer at the time, it was I was good enough to do what I needed to do. Uh, I think I wrote in there fun fact when I was a senior in high school, the eighth grader on my team was Hudson Swafford, uh, former live guy, former PGA mm -hmm. Tour pro, multiple time winner, went to UGA uh, as well. But um, I just I, I fell in love with the game and had some pretty unique opportunities growing up in Jacksonville to experience sawgrass through the years. And so that's kind of for me, you talk to folks, and they might have a club or a course or an experience that sticks out to them. You know, obviously the folks live in Augusta, they've got what they've got right there. The people in North yeah. Carolina got Pinehurst and you can go around the country and do that. For us in the Southeast, it was Jacksonville and TPC Sawgrass. And so being fortunate enough to kind of grow up around that area, go back and play the course a bunch. Um, golf was always part of my identity. And then in the college years, I just fell away from it. I wasn't playing competitively. And, and a teacher friend of mine in my 20s reminded me that I knew how to play once. And so I picked it back up. And then obviously in the last five, six, seven years with the absolute you know, social media has been around a lot longer than that. And obviously the internet way before that, but the last five, six years, just this explosion of the golf presence on social media yeah. has done a couple of things. And it's been, it's been a wild ride. And it's been a lot of fun. First of all, it has exposed it to a lot of people who probably never thought for a million. You think about the guys, those jokers at like a country club adjacent, you know, they, they talk about how their whole spiel, they're changing the game. You're not changing the game. You've just discovered this, this wonderful game and what it can yeah. do. You like to make people laugh. You like to bust their balls. Hey, we've been doing that for centuries <laughs> on the golf course. So come on board. It's, it's lovely to have. Yeah. But uh, in the last five or six years, I really just kind of decided a couple of things. You know, I had a family, was getting started with that. So where do I want to put my time? Where do I want to put my energy? I'm a wonk for knowledge. I'm an academic at heart. And I just decided to dive head first again once uh, into this into this game. And so it's been a fun ride and I appreciate you reaching out because kind of similar, similar scenario here. You realize that this uh, golf is for everyone. And I love what you said. This kind of topic is going to be in a minute. I'm not going to get ahead of it. But when you said that I smiled and smirked uh, because I have a bone to pick with many a talking heads out there, no. just the approach. So when you, when you, when you sent that topic, I was like, this is perfect. I've been screaming at the rain about this for months now. So uh, yeah. thank you very much for letting me join. Uh, I no know problem. That 
crash course through the history of Boudreaux, but hey, stick around. We'll learn more. I'm like an onion. Every time we peel a layer back, something else shows up. There you go. That's like Shrek. Anyways, uh, it's one of those things where for me, um, you and I have a very similar past. You're a much better golfer than I am. I've never been close to a scratch golfer, but having the baseball background, there was nothing more frustrating than going from baseball where it's a moving object. People are screaming, yelling, trying to get you out. And then you have a stationary object and you just cannot hit it in the same spot more than once. In a row. <laughs> it's super frustrating, but that's what also makes it great. You can't perfect this game. It is, it is imperfect in every stretch of the word. And this, the the striving for perfection, even though it's unattainable, is what keeps people coming back because it only takes that one shot. Give me that what? one flush driver. Give me that one flush seven iron, and you're going to say, gosh darn it, if I could do that every time, it'd be great. That would uh, be- see, I, I'll take a sexy, smooth 75-yard you know, sand wedge, like a oh, three-quarter yeah. sand wedge to three feet. Well, was it Tin Cup? He says tempo is everything, perfection, unattainable, and that's yep. the honest-to-God truth. And I love that you have the baseball background too because – I mean, in baseball, this is, this is speaking as amateur golfers, obviously you get to the elite levels and those guys are dialed in and they better be hitting, you know, (laughs) 9.9 out of 10 times. But for guys like you and me, uh, you come from the world of baseball where, you know, 300, 400, so 30%, 40% success rate. That's, that's legendary. That's hall of fame. Yeah, absolutely. And, and now if I told you, and I don't know how good, but most people it's like, Hey, if I gave you just flat out 40% fairways on your next round, would you take it? You know, Absolutely. Almost yeah. half. Look at your stats, folks. Be a little honest with yourself. <laughs> You're not out there as much as you think you are. And that's where you need to start. But uh, the consistency of it, the, you know, coming from anything. It, and I think that's why other athletes are drawn to golf. You know, a lot of tennis players, you know, you go right up and down. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell were famously, you know, loved the game of golf. They had to have specialized, specialized clubs. Speaking, one of them, I think, is gone. Bill Russell passed away recently. Yes. Is Wilt yeah, still did. with us? I well, think he guy. is. I think he is. How? How? <laughs> Anyways, they get it too. And they, so they, they've perfected this, but then they come over to this thing and it's, and it's not perfectable. And even Tiger will tell you he's not perfect. Obviously he's not perfect. Otherwise he'd have more trophies. And so this thing that is always evolving and changing and it's not uniform. And that's the beauty of it. It's not the same yet. It is growing and it is becoming way more accessible than it ever has been in multiple facets. And so I think there is something unifying about golf being that, that, that singular thread. I think pickleball is kind of growing into that void for mm-hmm. humanity for maybe the non golfers out there, <laughs> but it is, it's becoming that thing that let, almost everybody can do. You look around and difference being pickleball, we'd go in my backyard and do it, but you know, we can't really play a full round of golf, but you recognize the different areas of golf and how, and, you know, top golf, uh, you know, the chip and putt places that are pop, you know, pop stroke indoor golf is exploding, especially here in the Northeast. So it's, you know, it's a game that is beautiful in so many ways. And when you think about it, it you're, we're just a bunch of sadists and, and gluttons. <laughs> we we're just punishing ourselves and yeah. hoping that one of it strikes a chord, you know, that, that feels good. And you talk about like the seeking, the perfect swing, the perfect game or whatever. I mean, even Tiger Woods at his best, was changing his swing like dramatically. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Like you have the, you're the best golfer in the world. And yet you read books like by Hank Haney and he's trying to make all the adjustments constantly. You're never happy. (laughs) Golfers are never happy. No. And I I actually, that's a great story with tiger. If you haven't heard about it, you know, look it up and Butch Harmon tells us from some ways and about what you're talking about after the 97 masters where he had just come on the stage, cleaned everybody's clock. Here I am world. 
And all he could say was like, that's not, I need, I need to tweak this. And so he found a, a shot. It's like a three quarter nine iron on number 11 from the 97 masters. And it's the second or third round. And he went back and he pulled that footage and he showed it to Butch. And he's like, that's the swing. That's what I want to get to for everything. Now he has done several overhauls and tweaks of yeah. his swing since then. But to your point, guy had just hit the pinnacle and immediately all he's thinking is, what can I, what can I improve? You hear about urban Meyer after he wins the 2004, you know, national title They're in the locker room, everybody's celebrating. He had just won the BCS national championship, you know, or I think it was 06. He had just beat Ohio state national stage. He's on the phone with recruits already. He's, yeah. he's already moved on. So there, you know, anything, anybody who's at that level, that elite level, uh, it's a different mentality. And you know, Tom Brady talks about it. it's part, it's their identity. You know, yeah. you know, I say that golf is part of my identity. No golf is the other side of my coin. You know, I'm, I have, I'm a family guy. I've got a, you know, mm -hmm. I've got a job. I have other things in my life. This is my passion and it has become, you know, overwhelmingly, uh, you know, kind of a, more of an obsession because, uh, you learn more about the game, but to be at that level, uh, that's why that's why that's why they're drawn to it. I've done it over here. This looks easy. The ball's not even moving. And you mean to tell me I can just do it over and over and over as many tries as I want? Yeah, keep going. Because even after a hole in one, you're not going to make the next one. No, you're right. So let's talk about Tiger Woods, bring up the professional game. That's what we want to talk about today. The state of professional golf. I've had people, I've had this conversation with a lot of people. You just mentioned it yourself. I feel like the state of golf is tremendous like right now like everyone there's more, more people getting involved they're being in i don't even care if it started with we golf like there are people that are getting introduced to the game in different and unique ways but then i look at the professional game and i hear people saying you know what i'm growing sick of it i'm growing tired of it whether it's their hatred for live whether it's their disdain for the complaining about purses and guaranteed money. It could be any number of things. You could bring in the Saudis and the PIF and the, all, all that stuff that's going on. That's why I wanted to talk with you because you talk about this in your little daily monologues on your Instagram feed a lot about the professional game, and you probably know it better than I do. The state of professional golf seems like it's in flux right now. It used to be great, like the, the good old days where everyone was on the PGA Tour and everyone was out there competing every weekend it is not that anymore so let me ask you what is the state of professional golf is it in a good place in your opinion phenomenal it is overwhelmingly in a good really? place okay because and this is this is this has been my spiel on I'll, I'll give you my quick cup of coffee on live not even cup of coffee this is gonna be a shooter an espresso got it live and from the very beginning what i've said is it's exhibition golf. It's glorified exhibition golf. When they were here outside of Boston and Bolton, we went out, we got to experience it firsthand. Uh, me and my co-host of divots and pivots on YouTube. We, we went out there, you know, we got to rub elbows with people. The country club adjacent guys were there. You know, the pros were very accessible. It was fun. If any of them looked at me and, you know, or if they were gave an answer about, you know, where I, where the, where live crosses the line for me is, when they try to act as if they deserve the gravitas that the PGA tour has built up over generations. There's a, there's a thing where Cam Smith, DJ, Phil, I think they all thought that because they were in the spotlight, they were the shine. And now all of a sudden they go over here and they've got boatloads of money. They're fun to, I mean, listen, it's fun. It's fun to go yeah. out there and watch it. It bothers me like when, when they try to present it as if this is the future of golf over, maybe it is the formats can always change. I wouldn't be shocked if in our lifetime, a 54 hole league jumped up because you look at a sport like cricket, that's been around for God knows how long. And all of a sudden in the last 20, 30 years, the, the cricket 20, like this kind of snap two hour matches 
have exploded when the traditionalists were saying, that's no way to play cricket. You have to do, you know, you have to get there for four days and people have to be dying yeah. of heat stroke. <clears throat> There's a similar element to that in the PGA tour live dynamic, but as long as live stays in their lane, Freddie couples was, I, I love how snarky he put it recently where he's talking about, wait a minute. If if live is so great, then I, then I want to see somebody out there. I want to see Christo Lamprecht, the six foot eight South African guy who can hit it 418 yards. I want to see him say, Oh, I'm going to live. That's where it's at. Not with a $500 million signing bonus. I want to see him just say, I want to take my hand. And once I win and prove myself then, so it's not, it's not an actual thing. It's not a head to head competitor with the PGA tour. It is the Harlem Globetrotters being able to say to LeBron James, Hey, you want to grind it out over there for another three years, or you want to come over here and make five times as much money, have way more fun, less competition for the next five. You've already got your, so it's easy for those guys. Now the, the amateurs or even the new, the young guns chasing those live spots at like live golf promotions recently. I don't blame them either. I don't blame Andy Ogletree for taking the bag. I don't blame James Pyatt for taking the bag because for them, you know, we're fans. You know, we, we, we have this weird, you know, uh, heart equity over these leagues and our teams. But the beauty of golf is John Rahm went to live golf. Right. Okay, good for him. $500 million. But I agree with Freddie. Don't tell me it's for a better product. Yeah. Oh, it, 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 the product all of a sudden improved. They're not. And, and when, he, when John says, oh, you know, I'm really excited about the innovative growth. Bullshit, buddy. We got the receipts. We saw what you said. Pre Pardon me with the language, by the way. I don't know. What no, you're fine. Was. You're fine. You yeah. know, we've got the receipts. We saw what you said previously. So just put on your cute little jacket, which I love that move. I think that was a great flex. Put on your jacket, cash your check, talk like Brooksy did about generational wealth. And people can identify with that. And we'll see at the majors. It's become this kind of raffle for the experienced guys. You know, Cam Smith wins a couple majors, cash it in. You, you know, it's that it's that quarterback who comes in and only plays five games in a Jimmy Garoppolo, five games in a season, and then all of a sudden gets a fat contract two years later. Why not cash in? It's the argument that it's the future of golf or that it's supplanting some way PG. Is it impacting? Of course it's impacting. And the reason I love its existence is because competition pushes innovation and innovation might mean music on the golf course or shorts, or it just might mean the PGA tour going, Hey, we've had a good ride and we've got to shake things up. Maybe we do need business partners. This PIF deal is not, not done. And as you pointed out, the deadline's looming. Tiger Woods doesn't want to have to work on his birthday, but he's probably going to have to because they're not going to close a deal that big this quick. So there is a clause in there that they can extend it if they agree that they're making progress. But live is poaching players. The PGA Tour is going on dates with private equity and, you know, other kind of, you know, is sports entertainment firms. So not all is gravy. And I think that handshake agreement that Jimmy Dunn made with, you know, Yasser and the boys. Eh, there's there's no indication one way or another. But then again, there's been we never we didn't see the, the first handshake coming. So, I mean, they could come out tomorrow and say. We've reached an agreement. Details will be, you know, released after the first of the year, but the ink is drying as we speak. It's like, what? But all indications from like Tiger, some of the other guys on the inside. I mean, the way that Tiger put it, that we're around the clock right now. That, I mean, I'm not going to even say he's hyperbolic because it's Tiger and Woods. I mean, he, he obviously is elite at no matter what he's doing. And he knows golf. He knows the game. I think it was a brilliant move for the PGA Tour to just create this seat on the board for him, the Tiger seat. 
And if you're not familiar with how that kind of went down, it was essentially the board of directors for the PGA Tour, for lack of a better phrase. I think it's the managing board or whatever they call it. It's half, you know, like a normal board of directors, business titans, et cetera. And then they got player directors. Well, there's five. Now there's six. That six seat, they just created out of thin air for Tiger. So he could come in and kind of take over this this mantle. They, you know, he's been the trump card the whole time. You can't buy Tiger when he's already got a billy in the bank after his first divorce. <laughs> and so... It, you know that they've said it from the beginning. Rory's and, and John Rahm even said it. Four hundred million is not going to change my life. He's right. He's not. It's not. But five hundred, four hundred million is going to change your grandkids and their kids and their kids. Beyonce yeah. said it. My great great grandbaby's already rich, and I would do it too. And I'm not going to speak for you, but you would do it too with five kids. And here's half a billion dollars to play golf somewhere else. And we're going to miss you at the memorial. No more milkshakes for you. But you know, you still got the majors in your back pocket. Brooksy proved that you can pretty much qualify for a Ryder cup just by showing up to the majors and kicking ass. And so Rory had a point when he was yelling at some chucklehead at one of their meetings, when he says, play better, that's the answer. We're talking about the most minuscule amount of pro golfers that get this focus. There's 30 guys that we talk about most of the time. There are thousands of players who have the game to actually go out there and maybe compete money game take you know a couple a couple bills off these guys on the weekend but to be one of the top 20 in the world at really anything is so unique that i i think golf might be the only sport where yeah five of these guys can peace out and we know that there's another john rom there's not another tiger woods you know we, that's a generational yeah. bobby jones jack nicholas yeah. tiger woods you know michael jordan kobe lebron they're, they're right. very light with those kind of titles but um you know, are, are we seeing another, you know, Steve Kerr, who was an excellent three point shooter in the 90s and, you know, led his team to a, didn't lead, but he was on a couple of those championship teams. Sure. <laughs> Jordan Spieth is, you know, he's got to win more to be there. But I mean, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas. And then we got uh, Gordon Sargent, this kid coming out of Vanderbilt who qualified for the PGA Tour through the new PGA Tour U program. So Liv has money and money is definitely driving our eyeballs. But in the world of golf, it's not driving ratings. CW is not blowing up the networks. And their, their, their streaming numbers weren't big on, on YouTube for live. So I still go back to it's entertaining. If you just take it for what it's worth exhibition golf with shorts and Paulina Gretzky, she bumped into us. <laughs> I, I asked myself, what would a deal look like? Like let's say the, the PIF and PGA do come to terms. And I, I heard Bubba Watson on the four play podcast and he talked about, you know, he's a, he's a live guy he would love just to be able to play in, in regular tournaments on the PGA tour. And some people are like, well, now nah, you can't play it both ways. Like you, you, you made your, you made your bed. You got to lay in it, so to speak. But for me, I'm like, well, that's kind of my selfish speaking is it's all Kyle really, I really, all I want are the best golfers playing on a regular basis. That's really all I want to see. I really don't care if they're live or they're PGA. I want to see the best golfers playing as much as possible. And so in your opinion, what do you think a deal would even look like? status quo at best i really don't but they, they have so much money sunk into live and these players now I, I could also see them sunsetting live if 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 the if the connection is strong so the idea behind this deal in the first place was really a lot of it was going to stay the same pga tour is going to remain the pga tour live is going to do live but then the, the two the private investment fund or public investment firm sorry fund uh and the PGA Tour were going to create this for-profit entity that was going to be almost like a revenue generator for the PGA Tour, the way that the PIF, 
not generator, like like life support, and then eventually, you know, treasure trove, the way that right. the PIF has been for Lyft. So that's been kind of the idea. The the coexistence, I love it when the you know the players are you know, Rory's like, I would die before I played on live. And other guys are like, This is great, I can travel the world and I get paid a shit ton of money. They might coexist. Who knows? I mean, it could very easily <clears throat> their schedules are already such that Liv Liv did the smart thing by saying, We're not gonna go head to head again against a major. And to your point earlier, really I don't even care if the best golfers are playing week in and week out. I want the best golfers at the five majors. I call the players championship a major. And so I do think that maybe they should send five live guys over as part of the agreement. That would be fun. How fun would that be? Top five get exempt into the players. That's, that's part of the negotiation. No, but yeah. I want to see them at the majors and the Ryder cup. And with John Rom going and Rory's comments, Ryder cup, Europe is going to figure that out. They're going to say that, you know, they put Brooksy on the team, uh, nobody from Europe, I think, really warranted that kind of nod. But next time around, you don't have Ryder Cup with, without John Rom. So I think a deal, a deal would just basically look like the status quo with more money and you know, and smarter marketing and scheduling for Live. Because I think that's the other part where Live doesn't have a TV contract really to speak of. I mean, I don't see the CW really taking hold with the golf crowd. Then again, I could just be ignorant. Um, but I could see them, you know, that that's the only other sticking point is maybe, hey, can you help us out there? Will Golf Channel start maybe covering some of our stuff? Because it is world-class golfers, you know, playing the game at the highest level against one another. There's just, there's, there's those like macro level questions about the systems and what is good for golf and, you know, what's more of an opportunity. I mean, live is a closed shop. We're talking 60 guys and you get maybe a heartbeat to get in or out. And the only other way is to do really well over at the main competitor and then they'll poach you. This is just like business anywhere else. Uh, but the PGA tour is not going anywhere. And I don't think unless all hell breaks loose deal falls apart and every other private equity or anybody else who tried to get involved, but like the Fenway group is already tipping their hand here in Boston, you know, the, with their participation in TGL and they're saying, Hey, you know, we've had a couple of conversations there too, about maybe getting an investment, a piece in this new, this new pie. So a deal is probably going to look a lot like the status quo with just some third entity that is now kind of seen as the real, real puppet master of golf. And that's going to be this for-profit, whoever controls that group. I think if the PGA tour is smart and whether they get a deal with the, the PIF, whatever, the team aspect is something that I wish that they would go down like this time of year. Think about the PG and PNC coming up. Like there's there's so much stinking hype about this. And I know it's because Tiger plays and his son's playing, but it's the fact that it's a unique environment. You have mm -hmm. these these parents, like the, the father, son, father, daughter, in terms of you know, when you think about the strickers and Annika Sorenstam with her little son, like it's just fun. It's it's a great, it's different. I love that it's different. I think that when Tiger and Phil started the match, that this would be kind of what would start this different new like I, I always scream from the rooftops what happened to the skins game i used to grow up love watching the skins it's the game. Be like, best part about thanksgiving yeah why did the skins game go away well what happened well why did we stop doing these what when the Ryder cup's over and if it's a Ryder cup year or the president's cup that's fine this is when i think the the pga would be really smart to hey if you want to take a page out of live say let's try some team stuff and it doesn't have to be you have your team and we're gonna have trades hey Jordan Spieth, you get to pick your team. Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, have these captains. 
Play a freaking scramble. I don't care. I think it would be a blast. It would be hysterical to watch these guys play. They're going to put up ridiculous numbers. I think it would be great. And the Netflix Cup, I only saw highlights. It just didn't seem like it was normal, but it was it was odd, <laughs> to say the least. They I, think that, I think there's an opportunity. I think there's an opportunity for the PGA to think outside the box, see what Liv's doing, and say, maybe we could try something that could – be enticing to golf fans outside of the regular season stuff that they do. I 100% agree. Now the PGA tour does spice it up a little bit with things like in down in Zurich, the new Orleans event. That is a team event. That is a partner event that they yeah. do. Uh, this new grant Thornton invitational this last year with the LPGA PGA tour. I think you're yeah, going to see that, that was a great event, <clears throat> but to, to balance it all out, I had amusing way, way back when this was in this merger was a merger, non-merger, whatever the hell we could want to call it was announced that, Live is going to become, I, was, I said the kind of the same thing. You really want to get my attention. You want me to buy in, then incorporate live into the fall swing where you're going to take those first 48 players who did not make the FedEx cup playoffs. Boom. You all are the live fall event series. We're going to, you know, not, not, we're not drafting. Jordan Spieth doesn't want to play any more tournaments. He doesn't want to play in right. the fall. That's the point. They do want to hang it up for 90 days, play the PNC, you know, family championship with, by the way, Nellie Corda. I think she's playing with her dad, Peter she Corda, is. who, Oh, Peter Quarter's back in the field. Uh, Australian so. Open, yeah, Australian Open champ though himself. That's a family right there. Jessica Quarter, <laughs> Nella Quarter. Their brother is also a professional tennis player, and then their dad, Peter Quarter, won the Australian Open back in the late '90s. All four of them have won the Australian Open in their respective sports. Fun fact. But I was saying, take this live series, make it the fall, make that your new Q school. All right, you got 12 teams. Two of you are going to make it back to the PGA Tour next year. And so we do have structures here. I agree with you. We definitely yeah. have structures here to get creative. What's going to happen, and it's already been happening, and it's already happening again in 24, is this kind of tightening of the schedule where we got our four majors, and then we got one big splash a month to make, or five majors, including the players, and then one big splash a month to make sure. And that's what we got. We got January. They're going to come back and they've got their century tournament of champions. February is the waste management. March is the players. April is Augusta. May is the, is uh, the PGA. And then we, it, it just goes on and on. Yeah. And you got the U S open into the FedEx class. That's it. And that's where those players are like, that's all they want to do. They want the tiger model. I want to play 11 starts a year, yeah. have a chance, have a chance to cash those in because I've already got, and that's fine. I'm actually okay with that because they're even limiting those fields to 70 no cut. Nobody's nobody seems to be losing their mind over that after all the <laughs> live golf is 54 <laughs> holes. Well, 54 holes. I have I have a beef with that. 36 holes or sorry, you know, 36 and 72. That's been kind of the golden rule forever. But the whole no cut thing. These are the concession the concessions you're going to have to make because they are creating more opportunities. Corn Fa Corn Ferry Tour is blowing up. The PGA Tour U Series is kind of helpful. Live doing what they're doing is providing a landing ground for some of these hot studs for a couple of years. And if I don't have status on the PGA Tour, then they can't really suspend me anyway. So I'll go try my hand at live, you know, bag a couple million and then come back. They could get creative. And I think you're going to see more of that in this fall series. But to you, the thing about the match, YouTube golf, that's been a great conversation is YouTube golf, the future of golf. These kind of like uh, pro versus four, you know, four play does their scrambles where a pro mm -hmm. will take on all four of them. Or even, you know, some of these guys from like good, good or Garrett McCormick, they're even doing it now where, uh, you know, amateurs will go out there and people will bet on anything will watch anything and that's becoming more i think it's becoming more viewed because a it's even more accessible 
than watching somebody else play your same sport, but do it way better than you because you're watching people just like you. So YouTube has been a godsend for the game of golf and maybe the future is there, but for professional golf, for elite golf, we're talking about nine tournaments a year and then the rest is window dressing, but there's going to be so much freaking money to go around that these guys are going to have to play in a couple John Deere classics or the Memorial, like Tigers tournament, Arnie's tournament, the Memorial They're They're all going to remain favorites in the hearts of these guys, but it's just going to be, you know, fewer, fewer opportunities for just Joe shit, the Ragman to stumble into a Memorial or a, or a Genesis. And they're going to have to just fend it out more on these corn fairy tour type events. I think you're going to see much more of the middle portion of pro golf kind of grow because the more this money seems not going to divvy out to more players, it's going to just get eaten up by the elite 20 to 30 guys at the top as it always has been. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I don't know if you ever listened to the podcast and if you haven't, I'm not offended, but I always do when I do a two man scramble, I do a rapid fire segment at the very end. And so I just ask you questions. If you want to elaborate a little bit, go for it. If not, that's fine. It's a series of questions all of typically about the game of golf. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. All right, let's start off with a simple one. If you had a choice, ride or walk, how are you playing? Walk. Oh, wow, okay. Pure. I'm a purist. So, this is a two-parter for you after your uh, bio that I read. So music on the course, yay or nay? Yay. What's your walk-up song since you said you should have one on the first and the uh, 10th tee? Uh, first and 18th. And my my theory on that first whole walk-up song, Honeysuckle Blue by Driving and Crying, one of my favorite songs of all time, Southern rock band. Uh, I went to University of Georgia and and not being a Georgia boy myself with Michigan parents, it was crammed down my throat. I do believe that you should have a walk-up song on the 18th, but that gets played for your playing partner, not for you. (laughs) Does he have that song in the, what's that song? Uh, the, The song, my song? Well, no, do you, so you're playing it for your playing part. Oh, so if I'm going to play for di- you trying to distract, are you going to play like uh, a zippity doodah? Although that's oh. racist. You can't play that anymore, but something, something light, maybe bubbly toes, Colby Calais, something like that. I'm not giving them, I'm not giving them crazy train or, you know, iron maiden. No, or anything. no, but you could go in so many different directions. Yeah, I want to, I want to, I want a curveball. There you go. I love it. All right. Next one. Do you have to choose spring or fall golf? Which one are you choosing? Spring. More okay. daylight, more daylight, fresher air. What's your favorite team format in the game? Best ball, just straight up four ball where it's you and your partner. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of scramble because I'm a control freak a little bit. And I, you know, I, I just, I'm selfish. I don't, I don't want to rely on other people. Bramble is a good middle ground where, you know, you get the scramble tee shot and then everybody plays out from there. But best ball, I just recently played my first USGA uh, four ball qualifier with a buddy of mine. We had a blast. We missed the cut by like six strokes, but just the differences and how you strategize when you're out there and you have a partner, you mentioned it earlier, team golf brings that aspect into my decision and my performance means more than just me. I can shrug off my mistakes. I don't know if I can let my buddy down. That's why it's called F your partner. Anyways, uh, let's go to, uh, what's in the bag. What, what, what are you, what are you swinging today? All right, we'll start at the top. A Callaway XR driver. I'm a Callaway enthusiast when it comes to woods, drivers. There's something visually. I've dated a TaylorMade. I've dated a Titleist. I always come back to Callaway because something visually about that kind of teardrop look Mm -hmm. with the little arrow. So I also have a Callaway XR 3 wood and a Callaway XR 3 hybrid. Four through a gap wedge to TaylorMade P790s. And uh, 
two Vokey wedges, a 56 and a 60, and then a Scotty Cameron Newport from 1997 that my wife got re, uh, refinished for me as a gift a couple of years ago. Oh, nice. Fantastic. That's a nice bag. Uh, next question. Will Tiger ever win again? Yes. No. One, okay. one million percent. If there's ever been a, a golf course that is made for old winners, it's Augusta National. Jack Nicholas flirted with a, a sixth or seventh green jacket when he was in his 50s. Tigers, you know, he won like three years ago. And that place, if anywhere else, horses for courses, saddle up partner. He's going to win once, if not twice again. I do often wonder, though, because my favorite golfer growing up was Freddie Couples because it was my dad's Ooh. favorite golfer. And Freddie always plays well at Augusta. And it's always been the same thing. He's in the contention on Sunday, and it just falls apart. And he turns into that great playing partner that's chatting it up as they're going down the fairway as he's completely collapsing, folding like a cheap lawn chair. And it's like, gosh, darn it. If it's only three rounds, two, he'd win it. Two, exactly. Two Freddie things. Augusta A is way hillier than anybody could ever imagine from the television coverage. That walking, that place beat you up. And B, when I was nine years old, I went to a pro-am at Thornblade Country Club in Greer, South Carolina. And Freddie Couples was playing. And my, my buddy that I was walking with named Justin Hill had a hat on. I can't remember the team. It might have been in Minnesota Twins. But Freddie Couples was walking up to the tee. He saw my buddy's hat pulled us inside the ropes and we got to walk the fair with Freddie couples. True story. That's awesome. That's freaking awesome. All right, let's go to a golf movie. What is your favorite golf movie? Legend of Bagger Vance. Really? 10 cup is one a, but legend of Bagger Vance to me, there's a whole story behind it. I, I, I don't know. The greatest game movie. ever, the greatest game ever played is phenomenal. Is the best golf story in real life. In my opinion, Francis, we met and, uh, in, uh -huh. in the whole local stuff here, but, I, I cringe when you ask that because Tin Cup, if Tin Cup was on right now, I'd probably just drop the microphone and walk over the TV and just sit there and stare <laughs> at it. I had a crush on Rene Russo. I had a crush on Kevin Costner. Still do. Who doesn't? Yeah. I mean, uh, Commissioner John, Dutton, Governor Dutton. Dutton. Yep, exactly. Spoilers. <laughs> but uh, I got to give it to the legend of Bagger Vance. Is there, it's a really, so Caddyshack doesn't even register? Not for best golf movies. I think it's freaking hilarious, but yeah. I don't necessarily consider it a golf movie wow. because it is, it's a comedy before it's a golf movie. It's a You're comedy right. before it's a sports movie. You could have had that at a tennis club, a summer camp, and those movies have been made. But for <laughs> golf movies, Tin Cup uh, or Bagger Vance followed closely by Tin Cup. Okay. Uh, I think I know the answer to this, but I'll ask it anyways. What's your favorite major? The U.S. Open. Really? Okay. Yeah. So first person I've had on the podcast that said that. Everyone said the Masters up until now. The Masters, the Masters is the most beautiful major because it was it was the first kind of created of this. Hey, let's do something that we think is pure and excellent, and then they've they've slowly had to kind of let the world in on it. The U.S. Open to me has a past that is gritty. It's open. It hasn't always been as open. Yes, I know. Back in the day, you had to be a member of a private club. Yada yada yada. Don't at me, bro. But the way it stands now, I in theory with my handicap index, I could go out there and try to qualify for the U S open. And if I catch lightning in a bottle, which I'm, slow down folks, I know I'm not going there, but <laughs> the theory, the accessibility to it, the, the kind of every man nature and that it's ours, the open championship, I think is, uh, is wonderful. The PGA, I don't have much room for it, but then again, I'm not a professional golfer and I understand its place in the game, but the U S open to me is if I could, if I could take home anything, any of those four, it'd be that. There you go. I love it. Uh, you have any superstitions on the golf course? No, I, I, I've gone through phases of different routines. I think, I think the only thing I would call a superstition is I always have to have a swing thought 
and it can change no matter what. So for this, this, this summer, this entire year, I was, it's going to sound so airy. I would tell myself tiger tempo because as I've, as I've gotten older, you know, I just turned 41, but after I turned 40, I realized my swing doesn't treat my body as well as it used to. And I was trying to figure out and I was going really fast in my transition, trying to create torque. And I'm like, buddy, there's, you're not creating torque anymore with that body. You just need tempo because I was watching Tiger and as big as he is, if you watch him swing now, hits the ball a mile still, he doesn't swing hard. It's just timed so, so perfectly. And so trying to think of myself, Tiger tempo, like just try to picture what he's doing and try to replicate that. Everything else is, you know, just works itself out. No, but tiger tempo. I think that would be yeah. my, my one kind of, I'm going to say it one more time for the kids in the back tiger tempo. <laughs> All right. We got a couple, we have a couple more here. What's your thoughts on a uh, golf fashion? Because I really think this is hysterical. When I look at some of these Instagram uh, companies that are out there, I'm like, are people buying these shirts? I mean, people are wearing like capris and I, I, I cannot stand the jogger thing, but that's just me. What's your thoughts on golf fashion? I'm here for it. In a couple of different ways. <laughs> First of all, golf gear in general, I think is fun. There's, there's been great t-shirts out there, but, but like, as far as like what's acceptable on the course or what people are wearing on the course, I mean, I'm wearing something right now from Acorn Hills that is one of those like hoodie type shirts, right? Yeah. Hoodies on the golf course, you know, are all of a sudden a thing. I agree with you. Joggers again, 41 year old man don't have the body for joggers, but <laughs> I, I kind of dig it. I don't think there's anything wrong with clubs or even courses saying this is the environment that we'd like to create. These are the clothes that we'd like you to wear. Uh, I do think that if you're a Muni, sorry, it's the people's course, you know, bug off. I'm going to wear my jeans, but uh, I, I think it's I think it's phenomenal and I think it's fun. And I think that the people find, find the humor in it. Like you talk about uh Macklemore in his line, like bogey boys or whatever, whatever it's called. It's yeah. dope. I think, I think come one, come all, the more we can let your freak flag fly, the less stiff this game becomes and the more beautiful it gets. There you go. I hate it. Nothing wrong with that. Let's go. What do you think is the worst rule in golf? Ooh. Oh God. Ah, you know what? I went off on a freaking rant about this the other day. It, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't call this a rule, but the, the fact that they can assess penalties to guys the next day after competition has ended, when somebody, somebody, when you or I call in and say, ah, oh, excuse me, Mr. PGA tour official, I noticed on the replay that he uh, marked his ball, but then he didn't unmark it. Nobody called him on it. Dry, if that happens during play, first of all, all, all penalties should have to be called on the the field of play. Let's just right. stop the armchair referees. You know, I'm not going to say get a life because, Hey, good for you, Eagle eye. But if your playing partner doesn't catch it, if one of the referees on the actual course, because they got referees on with each one of these groups, if they don't catch it, then it's a missed call, just like any other sport. They're not coming out of halftime in an NBA game going, going hey, uh, Mr. Harden, we counted up the number of travels you had in the first half, so your your team is actually going to be deducted nine points. Shit doesn't happen. I don't know yeah. why we let it in golf, because the most most recent example was Colin Morikawa get, gets told at the Hero World Challenge on Sunday on the driving range, hey, buddy, sorry two-stroke penalty because Matt Fitzpatrick called us last night and apparently you looked at your green reading book on the fourth green and we noticed that that information came from your caddy who got it and I'm thinking to myself it Fitzy go to bed why did you pick up the phone if you don't if if you leave the property without calling the penalty all bets are off on to the next day so I, I, the rules are such in flux I'll tell you my favorite new rule is the fact that you can leave the pin in I love it for judging long putts, although you could always have it tended, but I just also think it speeds up the game. I don't know if I have a, a rule that drives me nuts because I just, there's so freaking many of them. Yeah. Uh, you know what it is? Dropping, the new dropping from your knee thing. 
Like, let's just go back to dropping it blindly over their back shoulder. That's my thing. There you go. And last one, what's your biggest pet peeve on the golf course? <laughs> there could be a lot of them. Oh God, I've tried to become not a curmudgeon. I was going to say golf cliches, but now that I'm a dad, I, I kind of encourage and, 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 and enjoy it. Uh, yeah. Slow play. I'm going to go with slow play. Biggest pet peeve is, is slow play golf. It says right there on the golf cart on your scorecard, let faster players play through slow play. So I think poor etiquette is my biggest pet peeve. And, and, and when yeah. it, and when it's personified in slow play, I'm ready to kill someone. I love it. All right. This has been great. Great conversation. Definitely going to have you back on to talk more golf. Uh, but in the meantime, tell them where they can find you on Instagram and anywhere else that you want to plug. For right now, we're talking about Instagram at this buds for you. F O R E again, don't want to get sued. Also, I'm a golf guy and uh, pretty soon uh, this buds for you will be back on Spotify and Apple podcasts with season two star- starting in January. That's fantastic, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. We'll I appreciate you, you brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you.